0: Thank you for listening to The Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. Today our focus is renewing our cause. Renewing our cause. So with that theme in mind, I'm directing our attention to Philemon 23. Philemon... 23. And Paul writes and he says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you. So Paul is writing from prison. You know, we needed the Bible so God had to slow him down. (laughs) Can you imagine writing the inspired word of God in the squalor of a prison, nasty, rats running over his toes, horrible food conditions. The message, uh, paraphrase, Epaphras, my cellmate in the cause of Christ. Everybody say, the cause cause of Christ. Says, hello. Epaphras, my cellmate in the cause of Christ. Says hello. So I'm offering this message to you under this theme, Renewing Our Cause. And everybody's going to help me preach by saying amen at least once. May be seated. Amen. Thank you for that. Amen. You know what saying amen is like to a preacher. It's like saying sick em to a bulldog. Because amen means so be it. If someone were to ask you today, why are you here? What would your answer be? When I say here, I don't just mean at the Life Church. I mean here in this world. Why are you here? I can tell you what God would give you for an answer. He would say, you're here to glorify me. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that all men may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. I have one reason to live. I have one purpose. I have one focus. To glorify God. God to bring honor to him the psalmist said Lord I want to see your name become the most famous name in all the world amen how many knows that Jesus Christ is famous (laughs) he's famous and he's listen Jesus is not infamous that's famous for all the wrong reasons He's famous for all the right reasons. A life that does not glorify God is a life that is wasted. And the Lord did not leave it up to our imagination for us to figure out how to glorify Him. Oh no. He gave us His book we call the Bible. 66 books make up What we call the canon of the word of God codified in the third century. 1189 chapters, 31,102 verses. And all of them in some way direct us how to honor God. He's our creator and our savior. Back to the text. If Paul were to ask his cellmate, Epaphras, why are you here? I'm not sure what Paul would have called Epaphras for a nickname. You decide. Why are you here, buddy? Why are you in this prison? He would say, we're here because of Christ. (laughs) I don't think anybody here Has ever been in jail or incarceration for Christ? Some of us have been in jail. Well, I've been there, but just as a visitor. But some of us have been there because perhaps we broke the law and did our time and paid our debt and God was gracious to us. And here we are today serving Him. But when someone's in prison, they know why they're there. Nobody says, well, I'm not really sure. No, they know why. Paul called himself the prisoner of Jesus Christ. So if you're a prisoner of Jesus today, then you should know why you're here. It would be a good idea for all of us to revisit our cause. Paul said, we are here for the cause of Christ. Is there any greater cause? Is this why many, if not all of these students have been on a mission somewhere? Is this why many of us, I think last count, there's been a collective 135 or 140 missions trips that we have taken as individuals in our congregation? Why? Because we care about people of other nations, other cultures, we, we, are, we spend money we don't have, amen, to reach people we've never met with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And can I tell you, you don't have to get on a boat or a plane and go overseas on foreign soil to impact lost people. They're all around us, amen. Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. You don't have to go across the sea to do that. You don't have to go across the nation to do that. You don't have to go across the state to do that. You don't even have to go across the street to do that. All you may need to do is get up and go across the aisle in this house today and introduce somebody to Jesus Christ. Amen. The Life Church has a mission or a purpose statement. Our purpose statement is simple we are obeying the command of Jesus Christ to go baptize, and make disciples of all nations. That's why we're here. That's the only thing that matters at the Life Church. We're not an event church. We're not a food church. We're not a fundraising church. If that's what you're looking for, you're probably in the wrong place. Oh, I just like to raise money. I love those bake sales and those car washes and, you know, those rockathons and There's nothing wrong with any of that. That's beautiful, but you know what is better than that? Reaching in our pocketbook, going into our push pay app and not trying to raise money from other people, but just give as the Lord has blessed us. Amen, Amen. that's where the real blessing comes. Sure, in fact, I told you a few years ago about a church in Kentucky, true story, I read it with my own eyes. They did a fundraiser one day. They did a big chicken dinner and it was delicious. It was mashed potatoes, gravy, green beans, you know, homemade rolls, probably some pie for dessert. And they sold these dinners and the community loved it. And People took out the dinners and said, man, that was so good. Can you do that next month? And so they did. They did another big chicken dinner sale the next month. They said, man, that was so good. Would you do it again? And they were just making money hand over fist. So they just kept making chicken dinners. In fact, on Wednesday nights, they stopped having church so they could make the dinners and package them up and you know, send them out. And, and then you know, one Sunday a month, they were dedicating to chicken dinners. I'm not making this up. Ser- I mean, you know I like to joke around, but I'm not joking right now. They got so good at it and there was such a demand they literally got out of the church business and dedicated their building and their parking lot and their human resources to chicken dinners. Maybe you've heard of them. Church is chicken. Now, that's the only thing I told you that's not true. I just threw that in.) <laughs> That's a true story. They lost their focus. They lost their mission. Look, I'm glad you're here, but I didn't come here to see you. I hope you're glad I'm here, but you didn't come here to see me. Somebody asked me today, said, Pastor, are you preaching? I said, I sure am. He said, well, if it wasn't you, I was walking out of here. I said, well, that's preacher religion. And we were just joking, having fun with it. Let me tell you something. I don't come to church for a preacher. I don't come to church, you know, to be like Pavlov's dogs. And when the preacher gets up, I'll tell you, I was at a church service one time. That place was as dead as a hammer for an hour. Nothing moved, nothing happening. All of a sudden the place went up in smoke. And I thought, what in the world? Did Jesus walk in here? And I looked over way on the far side and the pastor got up and this is what he was doing. And that's, you know what Pavlov's dogs are? When you ring the bell, they salivate because they know they're going to eat. That's preacher religion. And we don't have preacher religion at the Light Church. We have a Savior whose name is Jesus, and it's not about you, and it's not about me. He's the one that's famous in this house today. If it's not about Jesus, it's not about nothing. Come on, somebody get delivered from your preacher religion today and exalt the King of Kings, the Bishop of our souls, our Savior Jesus Christ. Come on, we can do better than that. It's all about him. It's all about him. Hallelujah. Amen, everybody say focus. We can't lose our purpose and our cause. The 21st century committed Christians in this house today, we must be about our Father's business and we must follow Jesus' example. Do you ever stop and think about all the things that were thrown at Jesus to distract him? To get him off his purpose, get him off his game, as we say. Satan confronts him. No sooner does Jesus get baptized. He launches ministry and Satan is there to introduce doubt. If thou be the son of God. You talk about a distraction. If the enemy can ever get you to doubt doubt. your purpose and where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing with your life. Listen, can I tell you something? Our biggest enemy really is not Satan. Our biggest enemy lies within doubts, discouragements, fears, contradictions, just not being honest with ourselves, honest with other people, honest with God. Paul said, my goal is to have a conscience that's void of offense toward God and toward my fellow man. Amen, I can't afford to get distracted to the right hand or to the left. I can't afford to have an issue with you or fall out with you or have a disagreement with you because that's gonna get me off my purpose. I gotta keep my relationships right. I gotta keep my heart right. I've gotta stay focused on the goal and on the prize. Amen, Jesus, the devil came to him if thou be the son of God, command these stones, worship me, cast yourself down. He said, get thee behind me. Jesus' own family tried to reel him back. Jesus said, Who, who's my father, who's my mother, who's my brother, my sisters? He looked at his audience and said, you're my mother. You're my family. The Pharisees were constantly trying to entrap him trying to get him to say something, do something, heal on the Sabbath, admit that he was the mighty God. His disciples were slow to pick up his mission. Here they are, you know, reaching for who's going to sit on the right hand and who's going to sit on the left hand. And and then you've got a devil among the 12 who Satan has entered into him to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew all about that. And then one day Jesus declares that he's going to go to Jerusalem and die. And Peter takes him aside and says, oh, Jesus, you might want to rethink that. You're not, you're, that's not time for that. Jesus looks at him and said, get behind me, Satan. This is the man that has the keys of the kingdom and Jesus calls him Satan. What's the message? The message is that God is serious, amen, about his mission. Jesus did not come to have a party. Jesus did not come, amen, to just hang out and have a wife and kids and grandkids and great grandkids. Oh no, he gave all of that up for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Isaiah said it like this. He said Messiah is going to be so focused that he's going to set his face like a flint. That means like a stone and you can't move, amen, a rock. You can't change. You just try to go up to Mount Rushmore and take the, the head of, you know, Thomas Jefferson, and try to move him one, it's not gonna happen. And if you wanna think about Jesus' focus, think about Mount Rushmore. The devil couldn't get him off his game. The disciples couldn't get him off his game. The Pharisees couldn't get him off his game. His own family couldn't get him off his game. He came for one reason, and that was to seek and to save them which were lost, and he requires no less. Oh. I'm excited about his cause. Listen to how Jesus talked about it in Matthew 7, 13. Look at this. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many, everybody say many. many. There's this wide gate and this broad path that leads to destruction and many go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. There are few who find it. Okay, work with me on this. Turn to somebody and say, work with the pastor on this. Okay, so this stage is 80 feet across. And let's just pretend like none of these theater seats are here right now. And let's just say this is a thoroughfare and, and we've got this broad, we've got this wide gate and this, white, this wide way. And let's pretend like that back wall is just kicked out for a minute. And that's, that's the gate. See, if I have a wide gate... I can afford to go way over here and dabble over here. And then I can just get distracted and run over here because I still, I can still get, I can be way over here and I can still get through that passage. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. People that lose their focus. And I know I'm preaching to the choir today. You're the choir. You're here. I didn't come today to condemn anybody here today. I'm coming to celebrate you, but I want to help you with your focus. Praise God. Amen. (laughs) There's all kinds of options for the uncommitted. There's all kinds of options for the Lot's wives. Why did Jesus tell us to only remember one person from the Old Testament? The second shortest verse in the Bible. Remember Lot's wife. Why? Because she she wanted to get out of Sodom and Gomorrah, but she really didn't want to leave. She wanted to have a little bit of the kingdom of God and a little bit of the world. She had one foot to leave and one foot to stay. And the angel said, don't look back. And when she turned around, Thinking she could dabble and have options, she was turned to a pillar of salt. And I'm gonna tell you that God is not gonna be anybody's part-time lover. He's not gonna let anybody, amen, two-time him. He's choosing a bride, he's choosing a wife, he's committed to her, and he expects the same commitment. All right, so. That's the broad, that's the broad way and the wide gate. Now, work with me on this. Let's reverse it and let's say those double doors back there is the narrow gate, the narrow gate. I don't don't have time to be moving over here and moving over here and considering all my options. Amen, I feel in the Holy Ghost right now. The enemy's got somebody under deception to think you can play games with God. Now, I'm not a hellfire and brimstone preacher, and I'm not here to condemn anybody, but what we gotta have is conviction. There has to be conviction in this place. What some people call judgment and condemnation, it's really not that. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's God saying, come on. I went to Calvary so you can overcome that. I suffered and bled and died so you can be victorious. I purchased a price so you can get off the broadway and get in the narrow way. Uh, let me tell you, When you get in this narrow path, when you get in this narrow path, you don't have very many options. It'll tell you how to plan your calendar. Come on. (laughs) It'll, It'll take care of how to plan your social life. Ever since I was a young boy, I knew this world was not my home. I knew it. Someday I got to get out of here. I can't buy in to the culture. I can't buy in. Look, I grew up with the Beatles. They probably did more to corrupt and destroy this country. They brought in Eastern religion. They brought in drugs. They gave permission for promiscuity. Then it was I don't know, help me out. Kiss, heavy metal. All my friends had hair down to their shoulders in high school. And every time my dad would take me to the barber for my $2 haircut, he'd say, Bob, give him a 1957. (laughs) Today, it'd be super cool. It'd be like Caleb's haircut. See, that's cool. But in 1972, you get laughed at for that the star running back in my high school football team, Reed Hess, we grew up together. And he, and one day in front of a bunch of jocks with all their leather jackets on, and I had everybody laughing. he said, Stan, you'd be so cool if your haircut wasn't so stupid. I wanted to say, listen, the reason I have my haircut this way is just because I'm honoring my dad. I'm honoring my, my pastor. And I, I'm not, again... Don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say. Culture's culture, and whatever it is, and wherever we are, certain things represented certain other things in epochs. An epoch is a period of time that are, that is characterized by certain traits, and perhaps that isn't the epoch today, but I'm gonna tell you something. The Bible is the word of God, and we have to live by that word, and my friends would get high after work every night. I never did it one time, by the grace of God. Amen, they were goofing around and messing around and sleeping. Sleeping around. I never did it. I'm not ashamed to tell you that I was innocent and pure the day I got married. I know that's not popular today, but that's God's way, and it's still the best way to live. Why? Because I was on a narrow path, and I want to make sure I'm going to hit the gate. I got to hit the gates. <laughs> Oh, man. Turn to somebody and say, the preacher's right. Turn to somebody else and say, he loves us. The word of God's right. Forget me. Everybody okay? Woo. Man, something hit me right there. The great apostle Paul, he opens up Continence with the gospel. He, his discipleship tree had 47 disciples on it, and they were all first, second, and third generation disciples. It's remarkable. He started churches, he wrote over half of the New Testament. How was he able to accomplish all this in a 30 year ministry? Spent years in prison. Ascended into the third heaven. Heard unspeakable words that could not be uttered. How was he able to do this? I'll tell you how. He said, I'm forgetting those things that are behind me. I'm forgetting those things which are behind me, and I'm reaching for the things that are before me. He said, This one thing I do. You ever go up to Chick fil A and say, I like to have a cheeseburger, I like a fish filet, I like spaghetti and meatballs. (laughs) <laughs> no, they do one thing. And they do one thing really well. If you don't believe me, just try to get through their fat their thing at from 11 to 2 every day. Forget it. Why? Cuz they do one thing really well. And they're closed on Sunday. Cuz they want their employees in church. Paul said, this one thing I do. He didn't say, these many things I dabble in. I'm, I'm running over here and I got my finger in so many pies and I'm trying to do all this cool stuff. And, you know, it's a, it's a broad gate up there. I can just hit it at any angle. Nah. <laughs> Paul, he's focused like a laser. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Can I tell you that there are things that God's trying to get behind you that you're allowing to distract you. There's things of your past and my past we're not proud of and we're not happy about and we made mistakes and we wish we wouldn't have done what we did. Okay, we were stupid. And in a moment of passion or whatever it was, we just made the wrong decision. But can I tell you, that is not who you are anymore That is not who you are. That is not your identity. That is not your moniker. That is not your relationship. That is not who you are. Hallelujah. Paul said, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Ho ho. I've come today to tell the accuser that's accusing you and telling you, you've done too much. You got too much water on the bridge. You said too many things. You burnt too many bridges. You've made too many mistakes. You'll never make it. Paul said, I'm forgetting that. Let me ask you a question today. Anybody here ever murdered a Christian? Anybody here ever put grandpa and grandma Christian in jail? Anybody here ever persecuted, tormented other Christian? No. Paul did. That's why he called himself the chiefest of sinners and the least of the apostles. He was spending a lifetime trying To make up the difference. And his attitude was. As much as I fought against the church. Now that I've been saved and sanctified. And my life has turned around. I'm going to fight as hard for God. As I fought against God. I'm going to be as passionate for the kingdom. As passionate as I was. For religiosity. (laughs) He said forgetting. Those things which are behind. Do you remember the story in Genesis when Jacob sent his sons to Egypt to buy corn? And he thought Joseph was dead, right? He had Joseph's coat in his closet, right? Had blood all over it. That was the lie he was told. Joseph's dead. The boys go down to Egypt. They come back to get Benjamin, but Simeon is held hostage. And they come back and said, Dad, there's this cool guy. He's the vice president of Egypt. He's a secretary of agriculture. And he gave us the corn. And then it was weird, but when we got out of town, we found all our money in our sacks. And it was just crazy. And he sent us up here, he asked if we had any more brothers and we said, yeah, we got a little brother. And Jacob said, you guys are still stupid. Why did you tell him we got one more brother? Well, we don't wanna lie to this guy, dad, he's powerful. He sent us up here to get get our little brother, Benjamin. And what does Jacob do? He goes back to his past. I knew it. He opens up his closet. He reaches in and he grabs the coat of Joseph and there's blood all over it. He said, you see this bloody coat? Joseph is dead and Simeon's probably already been executed. After you left, he didn't live to see another sunrise and now you're coming to take Benjamin. And he said, all these things are against me. I wish I could wake somebody up to the coffee today. I wish I could tell you it's time for you to go in your closet and clean it out. It's time for you to go in your closet and say, well, there's a lie, there's a lie. I'm not that anymore. I'm getting rid of this. I'm not hanging on to that. I'm, I'm a different creature. I'm a different person now. None of that was true. They were all lies, Hey, man. Benjamin wasn't going to die. Simeon was not dead. And here's the best news of all. The one he thought had been dead for the last 20 years. God was positioning him. God was putting him in the right place where he could save the nation. Woo! You got to forget. Turn to somebody and say, forget it. Let me give you a good theology. You may be seated. I'm almost done. Listen, admit it, quit it, and forget it. Boy, that's really deep. (laughs) Nobody ever say Gleason was a deep preacher. (laughs) Admit it. Confess it. No secrets. God, I'm sorry. I was stupid. I was disobedient. Forgive me. The Bible says if we confess our sin, if we repent and turn from our wicked ways, you got to turn. Somebody needs to just have courage today. Recover your courage. Use your courage. You recovered last week and say, God, I'm forgetting that thing. I'm I'm burning that thing I had in my closet all those years. Admit it. Quit it. I can't tell you how many times somebody comes to me for counseling. I just want to lean in and say, stop it. That'll be $100. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not going to be thinking that if you come to me. for. I'm putting that behind me. Oh, I get myself in so much trouble. (laughs) Admit it, quit it, and forget it. Be like God. Be like Jesus. Cast our sins in the sea where he forgets. Woman, where are your accusers? I don't have any. Neither do I I condemn you. I already forgot about that. Go and sin no more. Get on the narrow path. Go and sin no more. I want to ask you a question. Did that woman taken in the act of adultery ever commit adultery again in the rest of her life? No. She didn't. Because Jesus Christ gave her credentials to admit it, quit it, forget it. What a Savior. Huh? What a Christ. Forget those things. Which are behind. One day, would you stand with me? Preachers are not perfect. I know I just shattered somebody's world there. (laughs) I tell our church every once in a while. You know, don't look at me because or too close. You can go ahead and look, but don't look too close because you'll probably find something that will disappoint you. I don't have anything to hide. I don't I'm not living in any deep dark sin. I repent every morning first thing when I get up. (laughs) Created me, oh God, a clean heart. See, the best accountability partner you can ever have is Jesus. The best accountability partner. But you can't, you can't have him as an accountability partner unless you have a prayer life. How can you goof off tonight and you've got to talk to Jesus in the morning? How's that working out for you? <laughs> This is an IQ test. <laughs> Praise God. So, I really got messed up. I got messed up. Ethan, would you come wherever you are? And, I just got on a crusade. I don't even know why I'm telling this. I didn't come. I never crossed my mind till just now. I I made a mistake. I took preacher stuff to the pulpit. I was 31 or 2 years old. I believed I was right. I believed I had the right idea. In fact, I'll just tell you, I took on a whole district conference full of preachers, including the superintendent and statesmen who all believed a certain way. And I stood up. I'd never spoke on a conference floor. Nobody addressed the other side of it. And I presented the other side. Now, I will say, God gave me a, a, a right heart and a good spirit that day, but I really hadn't been living in a good place. I was just upset, and uh, that thing was defeated. And I was the only voice that spoke against it. <laughs> a couple years later, one of the elders, about well, about ten years later, I was elected district superintendent. And he came up to me and said, "You know, the day you were elected superintendent." I said, no, I thought, to, I thought it was today. He said, no, 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 10 years ago when you took everybody on. He said, that was the day. We said, there's our next district superintendent. But the cause was right, but my spirit was wrong. And the Lord convicted me and he dealt strongly with me. And if I would have con went down that path of a wounded spirit and an offended spirit, I would be lost today. Offense really feels good. (laughs) I'll get even. I'll straighten it out. It seduces you. It's a high. You think you're locking somebody else in jail? You know who you're really locking up in jail? Yourself. And God severely corrected me. Son, you need to get this behind you. And I stood up in front of our church in the old building. Some of you were there. You probably don't remember it, but I'll never forget it. And I said, I've been in a bad spot the last few months. I brought some things to this pulpit that are none of your business. I should have never Aired it in front of this congregation. I would never want to poison this congregation. Would you forgive me? I'm sorry. You know, there's certain preachers who say, well, by God, I'm the man of God. I'd never apologize to my congregation. I'm King and My word is the final saint. Well, you just go right ahead and have a good dose of preacher religion in your church. But not me, because it's not about me. It's got to be about Jesus. Let me tell you what happened. One of the elders, he's not here today. He's not able to be here today. Our sweet, precious elder, he came up to me. He said, you became My pastor today. I said, what do you mean? I've been pastor here for five years. He said, I will follow a man of God that can be convicted by God. I will follow a man that has a prayer life. He said, I knew you were wrong, but I wasn't going to correct my pastor. He said, furthermore, I think this whole church knew you were way out in left field. Listen, can I tell you something? You're usually the last person to know you're stupid. (laughs) That's not in the Bible, but that probably need to be in the Bible. Look, if your wife knows it and your kids know it, and your congregation knows it, and your parakeet knows it, you better wake up and smell the coffee. We're usually the last ones for the revelation. That moment changed my life. I thought, wow. We have to have integrity with God. I don't even know if I'm on my subject now today, but Let's rediscover our cause today. Let's get on that narrow. You can't afford options. You don't have that many options. Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly. In fact, you can't even get on that narrow path without obeying the gospel. Peter said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Get on the path, get on the road. Set your face like a flint to the mission and the purpose. Come on, somebody. Forget those things that are behind you right now. That's the first prayer. Lift your hands to the Lord. Say, God, help me to forget it. Help me to quit it. Help me to admit it right now. Come on. Come on, let's be honest. No super spiritual people right now. No super Christians right now. Just real honest faith and commitment. That's it. Say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I'm cleaning out my closet today. I'm not going to hold anybody hostage anymore. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forget. I'm going to move on. I'm going to forget that. I'm going to forgive that pastor. Come on. Sometimes pastors have to be forgiven. Come on. We're just, we're just mere mortals. Maybe we didn't know what we did. Maybe we didn't know what we said. I'm not giving us a pass, but sometimes you just have to say, okay, I'm going I'm to forgive them for that and I'm going to forget it and I'm going to move forward. Come on, forgive your husband. Forgive your wife. Forgive your parents. Forgive your children. Amen. So so they said it. So they did it. Are you just going to let that stifle you for the rest of your life? ha. <laughs> Oh, grace has moved in this house right now. That's it. Come on, the Holy Ghost is moving in this place right now. Oh, yeah, come on. Open your mouth to the Lord. Open your mouth to the Lord. Get it right. Get it right. Get it right. Forgive your spouse. Forgive your ex. Forgive your ex. Forgive your boss. Forgive your neighbor. Don't be lost because of someone else's offense. Don't be lost because someone else was stupid. Don't be lost. Don't let, don't lose your soul. That's it. That's it, Lord. Let forgiveness be released in this house right now. Oh, Lord, you've forgiven us of so much more, Lord, than we need to be forgiven of, of anybody else, especially you. That's it, that's it, that's it. Come on, get it right, get it right. Get it right. Come on, I feel, I feel like somebody's gonna walk out of here a new creature. Somebody gonna walk out of here, amen, with a new wardrobe, hallelujah.